Welcome to Journey Elgin of Elgin, Texas, where we are living life in Christ, impacting His kingdom. Our service times are Sunday at 9 a.m., followed by a second service at 1045 a.m. Today's message is Entering God's Rest. This is Pastor Philip Thomas. I do want to uh, remind you that uh, we have, we, we have a, a podcast going and uh, we have quite a bit of uh, information coming on that and different, different things that are, that are happening with that. You can always hear the sermons um, from the previous week. Um, we also have a series called The Simple Life with Jesus that comes out. It's usually 10, 15 minutes long. That just is a, a good reminder of, of who Jesus is, of, of his presence in our life each and every day. That's a weekly thing. And we've started another um, weekly uh, series called Journey Through the Scriptures. And what the desire is with this is just to be something that kind of supplements sometimes what's going on uh, on Sunday morning with the, the sermon. And that's what it is right now. It's going through the book of Hebrews. Um, but we will continue that. It may not always go uh, with the sermon, but it's always going to be going through a different book in the Bible. And, uh, and it's about 45 minutes long. It's a conversational uh, style. We kind of get into a little bit more theological issues sometimes, sometimes discuss some of the differing viewpoints of Scripture, um, some things like that. So I think you would uh, enjoy that. Uh, but the second episode is out. It, it, it came out at uh, the end of last week. And um, it's uh, Hebrews chapters 1 and 2. Um, so you, you, you can catch back up anytime. But those are just resources for you. Uh, again, we want to try to do things in a way where we're very simple in our structure. We're simple in our ministries. But we're giving resources to help you live your life for Christ each and every day. It's not about you coming up to the church in order to live for Christ. It's you living for Christ where you are. And so we want to, to be part of that and encourage you uh, as you strive to, to make a difference for him. And so we are going to be jumping right back into the book of Hebrews. We had a couple of weeks uh, where we weren't talking about it, but we're going to be uh, back in chapter 4 today. Uh, Hebrews chapter 4 is, a, uh, is just a really, it's a wonderful chapter, and, and it's very interesting. I thought I knew about Hebrews Right? But then as I've gotten into it, there's so many things that I'm like, oh, I, hadn't, I, I forgot that was in there. Or um, I didn't, didn't realize and didn't remember reading that before. And it's that, of course, that's what God word, God's Word does. You know, it doesn't matter, you know, how much you have, have read it. Uh, if you go back and read it, it's going to say something different to you. It's going to bring, there's going to be something else that, oh, I hadn't seen that before. And, uh, and Hebrews is definitely doing that for, for me. And so it's, a, it's definitely been a powerful experience. And I, I just want to, again, set the setting. And I'm hoping I'm going to be able to make it through. Um, you, y'all, you mentioned the African dust. I am cursing the African dust. Like, I, I can just feel it sucking away on my voice and all of that stuff. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to power through. There are some cough drops, so I may have to... If, but it, this is the Ricola, so I may like start singing in the Alps if I take a Ricola. So <laughs> there's a, that, that's an old commercial, but I remember that guy had, had that big old long horn. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Talk about a talk about a rabbit trail. Wow. But <laughs> that, that, that's not in the notes. 
But uh, so Hebrews, is a, if you remember, was written to a group of, of Christians probably in Rome in that area. Uh, if you'll remember, they're a group that has a Jewish background, has probably, some, many of them probably were Jewish, uh, but now they're following uh, Jesus. Um, many of them have been separated from their families because of that decision. Um, persecution is starting to happen. Um, it wasn't rampant necessarily, but it was definitely starting to happen. And so I, here there are people that are starting to struggle. They're like, do I continue to believe this? Do I continue to profess uh, that I believe in Christ when look at what it's costing me? It's costing me family. Sometimes it's uh, causing persecution. Sometimes it's uh, making it to where I can't uh, have a business. You know, all of those things. And it's so easy for us to say, oh, stand up for Christ and, and all of this, right? But man, just empathize just a little bit and you realize how difficult that would be, right? And so there are people that are struggling there. And I have no doubt there were people that are saying, you know what? I, I'm not, it's not worth it. You know, I'll just either be a closet Christian or I'll just kind of go back and say what, what people want to hear, right? And, uh, and so they're struggling with that. And so this letter is written to those people to encourage them that no, it is worth uh, following Jesus. It is worth professing uh, belief in him. And if you remember, it talked a lot about Jesus and comparing Jesus to the angels. When he talked about how that was basically saying Jesus is the ultimate messenger of God because he is God himself, that he is greater than the angels, but yet he lowered himself to become one of us for a little while. And so it's setting up how great God is through what he has done through Jesus as a reinforcement of why we should continue to believe in him. And so now we find ourselves getting into chapter 4. And what chapter 3 uh, spends a lot of time to is it compares, just as it compared Jesus with the angels, it compares Jesus with Moses. Moses, of course, was the hero of the Jewish faith. Right? He, he wasn't quite deity, but he was close. Right? He, was, he was very important. He was uh, revered um, by them and, and still is today and should be. He did amazing things uh, with, uh, with God's people. Um, but yet it was saying Jesus is greater than Moses now. That Jesus is, is, has, um, has brought a new message that's continuing on that. It never discards any of this. It doesn't discard the message of the angels. It doesn't discard what Moses has done. But it's always pointing to more. God has now fulfilled his promises through, through Christ. And so we see that in... And what we see is it brings into the, the end of Moses' life. If you remember, Moses brings the people of Egypt, uh, not the people of Israel, out of Egypt, um, frees them from uh, Pharaoh. Remember, you have the parting of the Red Sea, um, all of those amazing things that happen. So the people are now free, and they're making their way back to the Promised Land, which would be present-day Israel, uh, that area. And so they're making their way back. Uh, they receive the, the law, um, all of that. And here they are about to go in and to the promised land. And God says, here's the land. This is what I've promised you. This is where you were before. Now it's yours. And remember, they send out 12 spies. And 10 of them come back and say, uh, no, we can't do it. And guess what? They were technically right. Right? If you, in, in a, from a human perspective, their words were words of wisdom. 
Hey, these guys are too big. They're more equipped than us. They have walled cities. We don't have the ability to do it. Uh, we just need to say enough. But the problem was is that they weren't trusting God. And they weren't obeying what God was calling them to do. And so what happens? They end up having to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Right? And, and what this passage brings into the, to, uh, to play here is this idea of entering into God's rest. And basically what it says is that if they would have entered into the promised land whenever Moses uh, brought them there, they would have been able to enter God's rest. Right? Now, it didn't mean that they wouldn't have had to do anything, but they would have entered this place of security, of peace with God. But yet they tro- chose not to trust him, not to be obedient, and so they found themselves wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. And I want to make real clear as we continue, we're not really talking about issues of salvation here. We're talking about issues of finding rest in God in our daily life. And you may say, well, what do you mean? Is there any difference? And, and yeah, there, there is a difference. See, the people, they were still the people of God even when they chose not to obey him and go into the promised land. But you know what? They weren't at rest. Right? They were wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. But it, what I think so often we kind of narrow down the argument to, well, are we saved or aren't we saved? Right? Well, okay, that, that's important to think about. But you know what? God wants a lot more for us than just to know that we're going to be saved when we die. He wants us to live a full life in him each and every day to that point. He wants us to be able to enter into his rest. And we can do that today. So we're going to start off, we're going to read Hebrews chapter 4, starting in verse 6. It says, It still remains that some will enter that rest, and those who formerly had the gospel preached to them did not go in because of their disobedience. Therefore, God again set a certain day, calling it today, when a long time later he spoke through David, as was said before, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall by following their examples of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Now, there's, there's just a, a whole lot to, to unpack here. And, uh, you know, I think it, it starts off with this idea. It says, it remains that some will enter that rest. 
You know, and that, that, that should be something that we desire to do, to enter into God's rest. But what does that mean? What exactly is God's rest? Is it kind of the idea of, of curling up on the couch on a Sunday afternoon, watching golf, and being able to sleep really well? Probably not exactly, even though that's a great form of rest, right? If you haven't tried it, man, you, you'll, it's, it's like a drug, you know, and and uh, especially if it's one of these lowly golf tournaments that no one really cares about, man, you can sleep really well through those. It's awesome. But, uh, but you know, a lot of times we think of rest as something like that, or we think of rest as, oh, I just don't have to do anything anymore, right? I have no worries, no problems, nothing. Well, that's, that's not really it either. You know, God, God's rest here, he's not saying that you just quit engaging with the world. That's not what it is at all. In fact, in part of experiencing God's rest, that means that we need to do something, right? That we need to be moving towards God. But the basic idea of what God's rest is, 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 the, is an assurance of God's presence and also of our position with God that we are assured that he is with us and we have no doubt that he is with us, but that also that we are right with him, right? That we're not constantly trying to better ourselves so that he will accept us. You know, that's a miserable place to be. And you're not at rest whenever you're trying to earn favor. You know, I want you to think back whenever you were a kid and in a relationship with your parents or grandparents or whoever it was that, that raised you. And whenever you knew that you had done something wrong, right, and you're trying to kind of hide it from them, but you know that they probably know, right, and so you're, you're walking on eggshells, you're just kind of waiting for, for the big explosion, right? And so there's just this constant tension between you and your, your parents, right? Would you ever consider that restful? Of course not. Now, could you sleep? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. But it sure wouldn't be a restful situation. It wouldn't be, the, you know, an encouraging relationship. It would just be, man, I'm just, I hope I don't get in trouble. I hope they don't really find out. Because then they're not going to accept me. Right? I think many times our relationship with God is we know in our head that he's forgiven us. We know, okay, yeah, and, and, and I, I really do believe that whenever I die, everything's going to be okay. But yet we live in this place where we continue to try to earn favor with God because we know we don't deserve to be in his presence. Right? And if we're doing that, we're never really going to be at rest and be able to really enjoy God's presence. And I think entering into God's rest is this idea of that assurance that, hey, God is with us, and that, man, I'm right with God. I'm in a good position with God, even, even though I've messed up, right? It's not saying that we've reached that place of perfection, but it's just recognizing, no, God accepts me for who I am, and God is going to be there to give me peace, to give me encouragement, confidence, all of those things, that's found in God's rest. And I think a lot of us, as, even as Christians, we live kind of in walking through the wilderness. 
where we're really not entering God's rest. Our world right now certainly doesn't want us to enter God's rest, right? Uh, the, the world, everything about us, uh, everything about the world is trying to, uh, to build anxiety, to build fear, even, even in good ways, right? It's like, oh, if things are going good, man, you need to do that much more, <laughs> right? And kind of ratchet it up. There's nothing about, hey, be able to just be at peace. But that's one of the things that God desires for us. So if that's what he wants from us, why don't we experience it all the time? You know, you probably, if you look and are honest with, in your life, you say, okay, there's been periods of my life that I've experienced rest, but there's a lot of time that I'm not. You know, I'm full of anxiety, full of fear, full of uncertainty. Well, why is that? And I, I think there's a, there's a couple of basic things that in order for us to truly experience God's rest here on earth, that we need to do, right? This isn't about earning your salvation. Remember, this is separate. But in order to truly experience God's rest, the first thing we need to do is we need to trust him. We need to actually trust that God says who he is and he means it, right? And now that's a simple thing to say, but sometimes it's a hard thing for us to do. You know, that's the people that were sitting there waiting to cross the Jordan River and go into the, to the land where they were going to be able to experience God's rest, ultimately what it came down to is they didn't trust that God was going to provide them that rest. They were like, no, you know what, we're not good enough. And some of that could have been very rational thinking because they said, hey, we're just a group of slaves who have been building uh, buildings and, and brick out of clay Right? We're, not, we're not capable to be an army. We're not capable to scale the walls of Jericho. And guess what? They weren't. That's why God made the walls of Jericho fall down. Because they couldn't do it. Right? They didn't have an army. And so in their heads, they're like, hey, this doesn't make sense. You know, and, and looking at it, maybe even from a more positive view, they're like, hey, we don't need to go in uh, to the promised land now. Let's go and train a little bit more, get a little more prepared, get a little more skilled. The problem is, is they weren't trusting God. You know, and how often do we live in that place where we're like, you know, I, God, I know you may want me to be stepping out and doing this, but, you know, I'm just not prepared. I, I tell you, I'm going to go and I'm going to join a couple more Bible studies. I'm going to do that. I'm going to spend a little bit more time doing that, and then maybe I'll be prepared. Nothing wrong with the Bible studies, but sometimes that can be a reason not to trust God, right? And so we have to get to that place where we truly trust him, trust that he's going to be there when he says he's going to be there, trust that his word is true. And some of that's just a mental decision that you have to say, you know what, I'm choosing to trust him even whenever I don't see how it's going to end up. So if we want to be able to find God's rest, we have to trust God. Now the next one is probably a, a little more uncomfortable for us. I know it's probably more uncomfortable for me because these are things that aren't popular to preach on and they can be very difficult. But in order to enter God's rest, you must obey God. 
Man, we don't, we don't like using terminology like that, right? Obey, that's, that's, a, that's an old word. Are you telling me that you're going to force me to do something? Well, we're not. But if you want to enter God's rest, this is kind of how you do it, right? You obey what God desires in your life, right? That means that you look at the way that you're living. And, and you, we move beyond, I, I call them the simple sins, right? Now, they're, they're the big ones, but they're the ones that we put all our focus on. Maybe we put our, our focus on murder. We put our focus on, you know, just outright lies, uh, burglary, all that stuff, right? All of those are obviously things that God doesn't want us to do, right? Guess what? No one expects to be at peace or at rest if you're living that kind of a lifestyle, right? I'm talking about those sins that are a lot deeper. And this is what, what uh, the writer of Hebrews says. So we're going to be there in verse 12. It says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, judges the thoughts and attitudes. Nothing in creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Now, let's don't pretend that's a nice, sweet example. That's a pretty brutal example. Right? And, and many times we, we read that, and I know that I've read that before. When we think of the um, Bible, we think of it as the sword of the Spirit. Right? We get that out of Ephesians. And we think of it as this uh, action word. And then this is a, a weapon of, of offense. You know, and that we use the Bible to carve up the enemy. Right? It's not what this is saying. It's is saying we use the message of Christ. We use the word of God to open ourselves up. Yeah, I, uh, in, in high school, I think I was a freshman, we were in science class, and uh, we were making those uh, model rockets that go you know, really high in, in the air and everything. And, uh, and so whenever you're making them, you're kind of cutting out the fins and, and stuff like that, and you want it as smooth as possible. And so cutting them out of the molds and stuff, we had these little scalpels, and, which is always a good idea to give ninth graders scalpels. And, uh, and so, uh, but man, I'm so glad that we weren't like dissecting a frog, but we had these scalpels and this friend of mine, we were just messing around and he, he had the scalpel at the very end and he was just kind of, uh, you know, like that. And he, it hit my arm. It just laid it open. Uh, it's like, it was 13, 15 stitches. I can't remember like two or so underneath, like there were two underneath and then the rest on top. And I can remember, it didn't even hurt. Like, it was just so, just sliced it open. And I remember looking in there, and you see all the layers, right? And, and you could see all the way down to the, to the tendon. And, and it, was, it was quite incredible. And then, of course, we lied about it and said that I accidentally just turned around and ran into him because we didn't want to get him in trouble. Man, I should have, I, I got the raw end of the deal on that. But... Uh, but, it, but it, was, it was really incredible just how it just opened up. And the crazy thing about that's kind of what the scripture is talking about here. 
That's, that's the image of this sharper than a two-edged sword. What did a sword do? It opened people up, right? We don't like thinking about that now because we don't, we don't use swords usually to, to fight our battles. But that's the image that's going on. And it's saying we should do that to ourselves, that we open ourselves up with laid bare, that we allow God to see into our deepest place. Right? We don't like being honest enough with ourselves to go that deep usually, much less let someone else know. Right? But in order for us to find rest in God, we've got to do that. And you know, and that's really hard to do because none of us like being vulnerable. None of us, if we're honest with ourselves, there's very few people who, are, who you are truly yourself with, right? That you can be brutally honest. And I'm not encouraging you to go and be brutally honest with everyone. I don't think that's healthy, all right? Don't come to me, please. <laughs> but no, but, but we, we usually avoid that. And, and uh, have you ever been in those uncomfortable situations whenever you feel like you don't belong, when you feel like you're not worthy, Right? And I'm going to use an example that um, I, I, I'm, I shouldn't recommend movies, but then um, this one is definitely not a wholesome movie. But uh, how many of you have seen Pretty Woman? That's an older movie, right? It's really funny um, and very inappropriate, but really funny. So, but, uh, so Julia Roberts, uh, this is, you know, man, that's been in the 90s. We were talking about time. This movie's like ancient. I have to get a VHS to watch it. But, uh, so Julia Roberts is a, uh, a prostitute, right? And she gets connected with this really wealthy guy who's doing some business deals. And he asks her to come to a very nice formal dinner with him. And it's, it's really a, it's a funny scene, but you can see how uncomfortable she is. Here she is at this table with people that are completely out of her element and she's trying to fit in, but she just, she just can't because she doesn't know exactly how to do it. And you can just feel how uncomfortable it is. And then she gets really silly because, you know, you know how whenever you get really nervous, you do things that are just stupid, right? And that's what, that's what happens. And I, everybody watching that, you can kind of put yourself in that position. And you can think of a place where you've been so uncomfortable and whenever we're in a place where we feel unworthy, whether it's right or wrong, she felt unworthy in that place. We either try to pretend and try to act the way we think the people want us to, or we realize, man, I can't get close to that. And so we go the complete opposite and say, I'm just going to make a mockery of the whole situation. Right? That's a lot of times how we react whenever we're made to feel unworthy and we're scared and we don't know how to, how to move forward. Well, I think that's kind of what happens sometimes when we start opening ourselves up to God. Because really quickly, we realize how unworthy we are. And so sometimes we just try to pretend that, oh, you know what, I've got it all under control. I'm, I'm living the way that I should be living. And we just keep on going and we pretend, oh, no, I, I'm, I'm doing what, you're, what I'm supposed to, God. Then sometimes we respond the other way and we say, man, I'm not even going to try anymore. <laughs> and what God is saying, he said, he wants us to come and open our, ourselves up for, to him 
to start looking at us on the inside and start fixing those things that are in there that keep us from experiencing God's rest. You know, those things that deep down are motivations for why we do things, those little thoughts that we have, right? Those things that they don't make you a bad person, but they, they just keep you from really experiencing God's rest. And it becomes really hard for us to be, allow ourselves to become that vulnerable before God. But here's why we can. And the passage goes on in verse 14. It says, therefore. So here he's asked, if you want to enter God's rest, you have to trust him. You have to obey him. You have to open yourself up to him, which is really uncomfortable. But it says, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who was tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Jesus sympathizes with our weakness. So when we open ourselves up to him, rather than him looking in there and going, yep, that's a major problem, that's an issue, you really, you know you should have fixed that years ago, right? No, he understands. He sympathizes. He says, man, I know how hard that is. I know how hard it is not to hold that bitterness and resentment. I know how hard it is not to let go of that fear and that anxiety. I know how hard it is because I experienced it. Right? I know what it feels like to try to let that stuff go. And he sympathizes with us. Man, isn't that a different way of viewing God looking at our sin? Now, he's not affirming it, but he's saying, you know what? I understand your weakness, but guess what? I want you to overcome that weakness so you can experience my rest. And that's why it says at the very end, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. You know, if we want to experience God's rest and that assurance, we're going to have to trust him. And we're going to have to obey him. And in order to obey him, we've got to look deep down. And we've got to allow him to start changing our lives. And that's not easy, but man, it's worth it. It's amazing how often we settle for wandering in the wilderness rather than stepping across the Jordan, entering into some hostile territory, but yet experiencing God's rest. You know, there's that wonderful hymn, to trust and to obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. If you want to experience the true peace of God here on earth, if you want to experience his rest, you're going to have to choose to trust him. You're going to have to choose to obey him. Or else you're just going to be wandering in the wilderness. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear God, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to experience your rest. Lord, I pray that you'll give us the strength 
to trust you. We know that's not always easy. Lord, encourage us to open ourselves up so that we can be truly obedient and live the life that you want us to live. Lord, and I thank you that you are a God who desires for us to enter into your rest, to have that assurance of your presence and assurance of our place before you, that we are accepted by you. Lord, we thank you for giving us rest. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Thank you for listening to Journey Elgin. Come check us out. We're located at 1221 North Avenue C, Elgin, Texas, 78621. You can contact us at www.journeyelgin.org or call us at 512-661-8411. That's 512-661-8411. We hope to see you soon and may God bless you.